Welcome to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten, and today I'm joined by one of our regular guests on the show, Adam Papagen. Hey, Ryan. Hello. <laughs> today we are talking about a topic that most people might not know. This is a very obscure dump, but it has its roots in something that most people know. So we're talking about the new monkeys. This is a... a 1986 revamp actually well 87 i believe a revamped re-release of the classic you know sitcom slash uh how would you describe the monkeys like as a band like because i it's a formula like they were thrown together it's not an organic thing well it's both the monkeys are really interesting because it's tv if they didn't have the platform of television and being in la with the music scene and stuff the music may or may not have been successful so it's both it's both tv and music it's really actually a unique thing there aren't really any other bands i can think of that are exactly the same there are bands that have come since the monkeys like guar or the aquabats or i would even say kiss for that matter who use characters and use theatrics in their act but it always starts with the music the monkey started it as a television show yeah so um, it's it, they're interesting. So it's both. It's it's acting and it's music together. Right. So it's like there's this non-organic formation of this very successful band that has its roots being a television show. And so in or, like in order to celebrate that 20 years after the that formation, they decide to do it again. So now you have a copy of a copy of a non-organic formulated band, and it really uh, nothing comes out in the wash. It's terrible. The which, new monkeys. Which by the way, if it was so easy to just make a band and have it be on TV and sell a million records. Every band would be like this. It's yes. They, yeah. They, it, they, they took out the magic element of it. So it was yes. just back to being a bad idea. Right. And which kind of makes the monkeys in their own sense, a culture dump, but they're, they were so successful and like, I, I don't know. They're, they're kind of part of the American lexicon, especially during the 1960s. So I, I really can't put them in that. But the new monkeys, 100%. So unfortunately, they're dragging their predecessors down with them. Uh, the, the, the Everything's going down with the new monkeys ship here. But why is it a dump? I guess it's because it's taking something that was already a relatively short-lived, made-for-TV project and revamping it for younger audiences that never asked for it. And it's a perfect example of this revamp and redo trend that we're seeing now in films where everything gets a new cast everything gets a new look and there's very little completely original content being put out there you know even shows that have only been around for uh, 10 years are getting remade and and you know getting like a fresh face to it and it's never really the best idea it's always better to create the own thing but we have to get into the original monkeys before we can get to the new monkeys this is something adam knows a lot about which is why i asked him to be here today so adam why don't you go ahead and tell us about the monkeys Okay, so I think that the context of this is really important. And when I talk about music in the 20th century in the 60s, people like people like, oh, well, why was the music so much better in the 60s and, and stuff like that? I'll tell you why. In 
okay, music is all cultures have it. It's something that all humans have innate in them. Some animals, birds, and, you know, they have it too. But it's really, it's different than the other art forms because, yeah, storytelling is in every culture, but, like, not movies, not books. Like, there's different ways to tell a story. Music, it touches you. You hear a song once, it can be with right. you forever. Um, it's it's magic. I don't know how else to, to it put it. It brings you back. Sounds... It's like it's like the smell of the ears. It's a, yeah. very, <laughs> it's a very strong uh, sense that can take you back to a special time. Right. So you have so music is an innate thing in all humans. Prior to the fifties and sixties, music would you know it'd be on sheet music. You would play it yourself. You there'd be a troubadour would come into your town. Classical music or whatever. But once the recording industry starts, there is suddenly for the first time ever in human history not only a tremendous demand for new music constantly, new music being written, but also musicians can now make a lot of money. Right. Which. You know, maybe you'd have a patron or whatever, but like, it it's it, it becomes this, it becomes a business. It becomes a new kind of thing. Absolutely. And so it's this new thing that has never happened before, and then all of this creativity um, can come through that. So uh, within that context, prior to the 1950s uh, and rock and roll, there really wasn't teenage culture like we know it today and how we think of it today. Enter Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck Berry, you know, all these these great guys, the uh, the architects of um, rock and roll as uh, as they're known. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's 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 wild music. It's multiracial. It's scaring parents. It's working kids up into a, a frenzy in uh, Hill Hill Rock and Roll. Um, great movie if you haven't seen it. But Little Richard and Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry are all sitting around and uh, they're kind of complaining that they never got to be on American Bandstand, like, uh, you know, in front yeah. of everyone. And Little Richard was like, they couldn't put on a big, greasy black man. And like, they all start <laughs> laughing because it's like, it, it yeah. was really shocking. Yeah, no, de definitely. And, you know, when you say that there wasn't and any. TV was new too at the same time. Yes, TV and rock and roll are jettisoning, which is when you start seeing kind of like the the rise of uh, why why all famous people are good looking. You know that that yeah. starts happening when when you start having to see them. You know it's a video killed the radio star kind of thing. But also teenagers before rock and roll really were just adults in training. There wasn't a, like they didn't have their own kind of identity. The whole idea was you get through this to become your parents, and that's kind of it. Now yes, with like. Elvis and and all the all this rock and roll stuff. It's like, well, let's enjoy being a teenager, and this is our own world that our parents aren't a part of, you know. And it, you know, people dismissed it as a fad. They said, oh, it would never last. Elvis got shipped off to the army. There was a little waning, but February 9th, nineteen sixty four, the Beatles perform on the Ed Sullivan Show, and the Beatles, even though they said back in the day they had long hair, that was long hair for the time. Um, it was a lot, they were in suits. They were, you know, polite, nice boys. It was a lot more right. palatable for American living rooms. So Beatlemania starts and the Beatles, much like Elvis did, get into films and they make their first film, A Hard Day's Night. And television producers Bob Rafelson and Burt Schneider get an idea. They start pitching a television series about a fictional band, much like the Beatles, trying to make it in the music industry. And the, the kicker with this is they go to Columbia Pictures and they're like, we can produce the show, so we'll get a bite of the apple there, and then you can make records and you can also release the records. Right. So it's a two-for-one kind of deal. And, you know, also at this time, groups were being put together, session musicians, you know, songwriters, uh, the, the kind of music business establishment was really kicking into to high gear for rock and roll music. So it, that part of it was not that uh, outlandish. 
So the original idea was to cast an existing band, which was The Loving Spoonful, but they had already signed to another record company. The idea then shifted to build a new group around British actor and musician Davy Jones, who was under contract with Columbia. Jones had starred as the Artful Dodger in the Broadway production of Oliver and had made his perf- uh, his performance and his performance was later seen on the same 1964 episode of the Ed Sullivan show that the Beatles made their debut performance. Wow. It's weird, so, right? So wait, I because that, that's what I was always... So Davy Jones like had shit going on with him before the Monkees. Yes. Okay. But he wasn't a star or anything. But right. he was he was under contract, and okay. it was an overall kind of deal. Okay. Music, acting... He was an entertainer, but not a star. Exactly. And he was, he was young, too. All these guys were young. I mean, it was music. Uh, so in 1965, they ran an ad in Daily Variety that read, Madness. Auditions. Folk and role musicians, singers for acting roles in new TV series, running parts for four insane boys aged 17 <laughs> to 21, once spirited Ben Franks types, have courage to work, must come down for interview. So Ben Franks was a diner. It's the Mel's Diner now on um, Sunset oh, Boulevard. Okay. But it was 24 hours. And that's where, like, the, the Sunset Strip, the kids would go to the Sunset Strip, would hang out after the shows. Or, you know, a lot of these kids were not old enough to drink, so they would just hang out at the coffee shop all night. Drink soda all night. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> you know, so they wanted, you know, the type of people who would hang around Ben Franks. Right. Eventually, struggling musicians Mike Nesmith and Peter Tork, uh, former child actor Mickey Dolenz, were chosen to join Jones. Despite their different backgrounds, all four had experience in both acting and music. The monkeys were born. Now, okay, who is your who's your favorite monkey? Davy. Davy? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mickey. I'm, I'm Mickey. But the the thing is, so my very the very first CD I ever owned in life was the soundtrack to the film Good Burger. But the very second CD I owned in my life was the Monkeys Greatest Hits because they would play it on Nick at Night, and I would watch that shit, and I thought they were like super cool. And I remember even trying to talk to like my babysitter at one point when I was like a little kid, like, "Oh yeah, checking out that new Monkeys album," because they're like trying to like be cool, and he's just like, "Um." No, (laughs) you nine year old. Like, why are you even why do you even care? But the the monkeys kind of have this thing where it's like boy bands, right? Where, you know, the girls would all pick like, oh, I like Justin the most. I like Lance, whatever. The monkeys, you know, just like the Beatles had that. And it's almost like a sex in the city thing where, in my opinion, Mickey would be Carrie. David, Davey would be Samantha. Peter is definitely Miranda. And Mike is 100 percent Charlotte. He's more of the quiet reserve type. So just think of it in, in those terms. I find that if I think of things in terms of sex in the city, uh, it goes a lot smoother for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the group, okay, this is always the thing with the monkeys that I find. This is where it really actually becomes interesting because what they should have done is just had a totally different group record the music and just had these guys be actors. But for whatever reason, they wanted real musicians who want a, want a say in what's happening and they let them record the vocals on the songs so they can now not be replaced because they're the stars and people start associating Just shooting with them. themselves in the foot yeah so right off the top but the group initially had limited involvement in their music the songwriting team Boyce and Hart were chosen to pin songs for the group and the top session musicians played on their Recordings. The Monkees were allowed to contribute lead vocals, however. Columbia entered into a partnership with RCA to form Coal Gems, primarily to distribute Monkees records. Early on, Nesmith negotiated to produce some of the sessions for the group and have his original compositions included as filler on the albums, which was very smart because he made a lot of money off of that. Right, because even though those weren't the hits, like he was getting a piece, an extra piece of the, mm-hmm. of the records. God. 
Their first single, Last Train to Clarksville, was released August 1966, two weeks before the premiere of the show. Take the last train to Clarksville and I'll meet you at the station. You can be here by 4.30 because I've made your reservation. Don't be slow. And when you when you think of like all the Beatles knockoffs going on in the 60s, Last Train to Clarksville is probably the best one. It's a okay. I think that the the monkeys have some really good songs like all those original ones that came out. Like, you know, like the one we played at the top of the uh, of the episode here where it was uh, it's just the theme song from the monkey show. That's like incredible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, Last Train to Clarksville is fucking great uh, believer. I mean, you know, some will say that the Smash Mouth version as featured in Shrek <laughs> is the better version. But who's to say? But yeah. And I mean, Daydream Believer, th- there are really good songs. And it's surprising that, yes, it's all you know, we have these songs under the guise of it being just for a television show that last a lot shorter than the band itself really yeah it's um i mean they had it was the same people who were playing on birds records and mamas and the papas records it was the same songwriters right, it was the, the wrecking same, crew the wrecking crew yeah right uh so like it, it it's just it's a it's a wonderful fluke that this great music came out of this stupid kind of idea right um but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves during breaks from filming of the television series, the band would turn on their instruments and jam. This eventually led to their first concert tour in 1966. More people were buying the records than watching the show. The instrumental tracks to their second album, More of the Monkeys, were mostly recorded in New York without contribution from the band, which angered Nesmith and Torque, because they were more the musicians in the group. Right. It was initially released without the band's knowledge. They didn't even get a copy, actually. <laughs> and the cover art was taken from a JCPenney photo shoot the band had participated in. The band was outraged and insisted musical director Don Kirshner be dismissed. By their third album, Headquarters, the Monkees themselves began to take control of the music traje- musical trajectory of the band, although they still continued to use outside songwriters and session musicians on subsequent albums. So you were able to just create an album around a group you know what I mean? Like without without them knowing, like that's how the pieces were put in place with the monkeys. You know, it's 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 kind of a hard thing to nail down exactly who was in control of what. You know, all, what we do know is that the monkeys could, in fact, perform their own songs, but whether or not that's what you're hearing on all the records, that's a different thing. You know. Yeah, well, well, uh, headquarters didn't have any. I don't think had any singles from it, but it's a decent. I mean, their first four or five records are all pretty decent, and that one, headquarters, they play all the instruments on it. Ah. So, um, it not, you know, it's obviously better when they're doing a song written by Carol King, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the group. So after this, after headquarters and, and, and stuff like that, the group then became dissatisfied with the television series, which they viewed as monotonous and stale. They argued to change the format, which NBC had no interest in. After only two seasons, the monkeys was canceled. So several albums how many albums now like five by this point four 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 or five but only two seasons (laughs) so again it's like it's this machine and they were really really counting on the show to 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 push it through and so they put all this money and they pump out all these albums and now the show is over before even all their music has been released so their next project because you know now they get a bite of fame and they're hanging out with the beatles and they're doing all the rock star stuff Did did the monkeys and the beatles get along According to Nez or Dolan, Mikey, Mickey, one of them, um, John Lennon said, I love the monkeys. I watch it every week. 
according to okay guys whatever yeah, yeah. i think the beatles what? were busy like changing the world but okay yeah, um yeah well great i mean john lennon had a questionable taste whatever <laughs> that's all you're proving there mickey so their next project was the surreal feature film head written and produced by bob rafelson and a then unknown jack nicholson the film has been widely panned, but the soundtrack is considered one of the group's best albums. So I've actually been to, uh, many years ago, I went to the 40th anniversary screening of Head at the Egyptian Theater. And Torque was there for sure, and Mickey was there for sure. I don't remember if Mike was. And they did like a Q&A, and they showed some episodes of the show, and it was uh, really good. And then I also went, 10 years later, to the 50th anniversary <laughs> screening of head and i had to work of course you did i had to work that night but i rushed over to the theater and i got there in time for the q a and it was nez and uh mickey and um it, it was great they had the banter you know it was like it it's more than just a, a band it's it's they have the acting chops yeah no it's They're a full yeah it, it well it's a full like media package you know what i mean but also i'm just picturing like since there was multiple anniversaries of this film, you know, hosted at the Egyptian, like some guy didn't get called for a question during the 40th. So he, he hangs on to that question for 10 more fucking years until he can go to the 50th. I mean, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so then after head, uh, another television special, 33 and a third revolutions per monkey was released. Oh, my God. But it was the beginning of the end. Torque quit in 1969. Several lackluster albums were recorded with the remaining members, but by 1971, the monkeys were finished. The and the world wept. I mean, you know, it's... They were big. No, that, that's the whole thing. That's why this part of this episode isn't necessarily the dump, because the monkeys are a huge part of American pop culture. And fear not, America, you really didn't have to wait that long. Yeah, exactly. Because the group went their separate ways for much of the 70s, but 1986, Nickelodeon began rerunning the Old Monkeys television series, and Rhino Records started to reissue the albums. A whole new generation was introduced to the music of the Monkeys. Since the 1980s, several reunions, specials, and albums featuring various iterations of the group have taken place, which continue to this day. So I've seen... Um, I, for the 50th anniversary of the monkeys um it was the three surviving members it was um torque and um nez and uh dolans right uh, and they had a big band it was a really great show and then there was the uh, mike and mickey show toured a few years later uh peter was ill he he's since passed on right. and then i've also seen mickey dolans live once and he does you know, and mickey is songs. a drummer he well he is but so uh, another problem that they had is that they like Davey was the lead singer and he was actually the best drummer in the group, but it looked weird <laughs> having him behind the drums because he's filming super the short too. Yeah. So they, they had to learn instruments. They maybe weren't that good at, uh. um, but now they have like a band behind them of like session, not session, but like hired guns. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. So, and, and just to keep in mind, folks, the monkeys like to date have sold around 75 million albums. It's, monumental it's huge so they are super super big so yes 1986 it's the 20th anniversary that's why they start rerunning the shows it sparks enough attention and interest i guess to give us the new monkeys so i'll tell you right now why this is never gonna work <laughs> go for it two things first of all the old monkeys are still around <laughs> They're still doing concerts, and uh, there was actually a really good reunion special, like a made-for-TV movie 
that was sort of like an update. It, it is good. To, uh, Daydream Believer is that no, the one? not oh, that one. That's one. That's a VH uh, VH1 one. That's right? a made. That's yeah. That's a bio made for TV biopic. Mm. No, there's mm. one with all four of them in it that they actually all wrote together and worked on together. And it's updated. They're living in their house in Malibu, but it's like the 80s now, and uh. like they're still <laughs> trying to make it. And they have the monkey mobile, I think, and like, but it's a little more tongue in cheek and self aware. Yeah, um, it's good though. It's it's really good. Um, so, so the monkeys were still around. Exactly. And also the thing is that like to call it the new monkeys, like the monkeys, that's not, they, I mean, of course, by this point they had become a real entity, but the whole idea was that it was a television show. It could have just been recast and just called the monkeys. And we would just know that this was the, the, you would just know it was the new monkeys. You know, you didn't have to call it the new monkeys, but they did. So in 1986, fans of the monkeys celebrated the 20th anniversary of the show's debut and the group's formation. Renewed interest led to a revamped version of the band and show with all new members, songs, storyline, and most importantly, aesthetic. Producer Steve Blonner, along with Brett Schneider and Bob Raffleson, had the idea to bring the monkeys back. The trio was responsible for the creation of the original concept of the monkeys, but they added Matthew Fassberg and Victor Fresco as supervising producers, and the journey began. This is the best part. So just like with the original monkeys, you know, <laughs> the old monkeys, we'll call them. So we have the new monkeys and the old monkeys. We have the monkeys and we have the new monkeys. Yes, <laughs> exactly. There was a nationwide search for, for talent and huge auditions. Um, you know, the, the nationwide talent shirts had led to 5,000 auditions. And, you know, after months of exhausting work, the four new monkeys were found. Adam and I found this great video of these auditions in New York where this line is wrapped around for blocks and it's every hopeful the big city had to offer from all over the country flying in. Um, the, this is just like what, what the line of the new monkeys audition sounded like. I want to be a monkey cookie because humans are full of crap. That's what I said. Hey, we're the monkeys and we're not monkeying around. We were originally going to audition for the new Beatles, but we, we figured that uh, the new monkeys is a more important group in, in the history of American music. I'm trying to break into show business and I'm willing to do just about anything, including standing in line for two and a half hours so far to do it. Where are the next monkeys? Where are the next monkeys? Where are the next monkeys? Lot it's classic uh, showbiz stuff there, but they found four guys out of the five thousand. So the studio bigwigs hired Jared Chandler on guitar and vocals, Dino Kovas on drums and vocals, Marty Ross on bass and vocals, and Larry Saltis on lead guitar and vocals. You all have to sing in the Monkees. That's that's the thing. Everyone everyone's got to sing. Who was the worst singer of of the Monkees? Probably Mike, right? No, no, Peter. No, Mickey. Uh, uh, well, Mike <laughs> wasn't has, Davey. Mike has has, has a Texas drawl. You know? Oh, that's right. So yeah. he is kind of a lower. You know, he kind of has a country background. Also, a lot of guys nowadays dress like Mike from the original Monkeys with a little beanie and like they were selling that as merch. And by the time I got made it to the table, it was sold out. Uh, I regret not getting the green beanie. It's fuck. iconic. Yeah, it's like it's definitely iconic. So let's get into the background of, of the new monkey. So Jared, he was a surfer with a reported strange accent, which was a product of growing up in Germany with a French mother and a Texan father. He had some prior acting experience. He appeared in the film in the mood and more importantly, blood diner. If you have not seen blood diner, you must, uh, even my dad was like, Oh, blood diner rules. I was like, what do you, what do you, 
That's fucking weird. You watch All like right. How I Met Your Mother and shit, and you're talking about Blood Diner. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Dino, he had played in a couple bands as a teenager, one called The Destroyers and another called Speed. He was later in a band called Snake Out. <laughs> These are all great. I mean, Speed? The Destroyers is already taken, but Speed, Speed is, is a sick name. It's very sick. And Snake Out's pretty cool, too. He paid his way to New York to like to the audition with money that he got from multiple car accident settlements. This is actually going to we're going to play a little sample here of Dino's screen test where he explains his money and car situation. You know my car got hit twice in 6 days. <laughs> yeah, Detroit's a rough town. You're laughing cuz it never happened to you. Let me and it got hit twice in 6 days and the second time it got hit the kid tried to take off. So I said, you know, we caught the kid and I said, "You give me 1100 and I'll forget about the whole thing." He gave me $1,100, and then uh, next thing, this new monkeys things come out, and uh, I had to pay to get over there. <laughs> now I ain't got no money to fix my car. Did, did all your friends think you were crazy when you wanted to come and try out for the new monkeys? Did they think I was crazy? Yeah. Uh, they thought I was crazy to pay that much. <laughs> they, uh, they thought I could have got over cheaper, you know? <laughs> Just like classic, uh, hey, yeah, I know. And again, the the young guys, but they weren't going for as young as they did with the original monkeys. They gave a little more leeway here. So now Larry, Larry was a varsity soccer player in high school who also had a love of music and taekwondo. After earning his black belt, he was finally allowed to attend his first concert, which was U2. His life was never the same. He ended up being a new monkey. Now, Marty, this is the most interesting of, of the four. At age 28, he was the oldest new monkey, and he grew up playing music. At age nine, he started the band The Insects. Like, that makes it sound like that went somewhere, but it was just like a neighborhood thing. The Insects, also a great band name. Eventually, he would go on to form Milwaukee's premier 1980s power pop group, The Wigs. The Wigs appeared in the film My Chauffeur and the Charles Bronson film Murphy's Law. Now, this is interesting. So later on in his career, long after New Monkeys, not even that much longer after, Marty joined the legendary session players, the Wrecking Crew, who actually recorded some of the original Monkeys stuff, along with virtually any other major musician from the 60s up until now you know it's it's a wild story there's a great documentary on them that we will cover on our patreon series docu dumps but anyways yes yeah, so he became that he also um one of the people that he beat out for that part of of marty i mean they just went by their names it's not like they were they had like character names but one of the guys that that he beat out went on to form the blue man group hmm. so that is interesting though that you mention it is it's like they're playing fictionalized versions of themselves. Yeah. But the concept is already pre-prescribed. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, you are Marty, but Marty is how we say Marty is. Yeah, but you, you know? still have your name. That was another problem with the original monkeys just setting themselves up for this controversy is, like, like they own their own likeness and their name. You can't. It's not like the Archies where it's a cartoon band. Yeah, and you just put any old thing <laughs> behind it. You know. Right. No. It, it, ex yes. It, exactly. It's not Gem. You know. It's mm -hmm. it's real people with real names. And again, they they weren't even casting characters. They were like, they were the characters. It's like we want 
to cast you for being you. It, it's this really weird thing when you're trying to cast people that are just cool enough to be a rock star. It's a strange, strange kind of a thing. So the new monkeys was actually just the working title of the show and was never intended to be the actual name uh, of the show or the group. But unfortunately it stuck much to the, you know, disgruntlement of everyone involved. Oh, like once the, the cast members found out that they were just going to be called the new monkeys, they were like, Oh no. And like, it quickly trickled down like to everyone working on the show. They're like, you're really going to call it the new monkeys like Menudo, right? The big, you know, Mexican pop group, you know, Ricky Martin was in the Puerto Rican, actually Puerto Rican. Were they, I, I thought, I thought they were from Mexico. Either He's way, Puerto Rican. I, I'm, I not, know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. You know, I'm no doctor here, but Menudo, they, they've been around for decades because they swap out members and and it's just like, you're just, this is the new Menudo. But you don't call it, you don't call it new Nudo. You just call it Menudo. And it's like with the new monkeys. So now it's like, it's definitely not the monkeys. And, and they're, they're showing you that. And I think there was also some legal reasons for calling them that and not the actual, just the monkeys. But we'll get to that. So the new monkeys not only had a modern sound suitable for the mid 80s, but they also had a wild new look and set design. The original monkeys lived in a modest apartment. They held jobs and portrayed a group living a relatively modest lifestyle. The new monkeys lived in a gigantic mansion complete with an in-house diner along with a waitress, a butler, an I Love Lucy living room, a bowling alley, a desert, a room with zero gravity, a library, several rooms and hallways all leading to wacky new adventures, and the entire house was powered by a sassy built-in robot named Helen. Now, Helen's backstory, she's always represented on the show as a giant screen and, like, big lips. Think Rocky Horror Picture Show, but they turn it upside down to make it look a little more trippy. But her so this is who is running the house of the new monkeys. She was a military computer bent, like, she was built for the Pentagon. And she escaped by transferring all of her data to an outside computer. That outside computer was the computer in the new monkey's house. She also loves living with the band, but she can't sing, so she'll rap. And, and she's like sassy, like, oh, no, you did it, like kind of stuff. And, Way too uh, much going on. There's so much going on. And the house, you can watch episodes of this on YouTube if you're signed up for our Patreon. I'll post uh, as much of this as I can. It's Pee-wee's Playhouse. Pee-wee's Playhouse came out one year prior like because the new Monkees debuted in uh, 1987. Pee-wee's Playhouse was 1986. It's like they've they just virtually ripped off every aspect of the set design. And there was a lot of 80s shows like that. And it kind of even trickled into some 90s stuff like Bill Nye even. You mm -hmm. know, there's like aspects of this like everything's wacky claymation everything moves everything's bright nothing matches uh every item in your house is a character it's fucking bizarre and it, it, it's definitely a, a far cry from the original monkeys like their butler manford he seems to be the only one who understands the peewee playhouse-esque house and has seemingly been there for decades and the same goes for the waitress at their in mansion diner her name's rita like there's just people as furniture in this house it, it's yeah it's it's garbage I, and there were a lot of shows like this you're right Beekman's World oh, uh, what yeah. was Weird Al's show Al TV or no it was called something else but yeah it, it's it's this it's a mix of retro 1950s like postmodern like wholesome yeah fascination mixed with zany new wave like neon self-referential old is new again right it, it's just it's super super wacky it's like again Definitely different than the original Monkeys. It's out of control. Which is also sort of a wacky show. Yeah. 
And and you know another point, the sort the music of the monkeys is great. The TV show, you know, it's cool that you can see music videos on network television on NBC every week. But the source material is garbage. It's this dumb show. So why do they think they're gonna copy it worse and it's gonna be better? I don't I don't know. And honestly, how many people were rushing out to buy these twentieth anniversary re releases of these albums for them to wanna put serious network money in into this seemingly complex project because it's again it's not just a TV show, you know, and it's not just hiring actors. It's hiring people that have authentic personalities that will translate into a popular band but can also act and then can also play music so they can have them tour record it's like they're trying to start they're trying to make a master machine from ground zero and it's there's just a lot going on with it a lot of moving parts a lot that can go wrong right and which it did and like the majority of like the the and we'll talk about the storylines a little bit but i feel like one thing that the original monkeys kind of had going for them is like every episode i feel like there'd be a scene where like everyone's coming in and out of doors in like an apartment hallway, mm-hmm. like chasing each other. And that's like the bulk of the new monkey show. So the new monkeys made their television debut in September of 1987 and also released their first and only album shortly after episodes of the show follow a very generalized format of music, story, music, story, and music. Each episode was full of classic TV tropes and had a severely predictable outcome, which left viewers feeling as though their intelligence was insulted, which it was, um, Adam turned me on to this great website. What's that TV Tropes website? TVTropes.com. TVTropes.com. There you go. And they they have a list of all these tropes. And if you, you can search up like a show and it will tell you what episodes have which tropes. And like this show has so many of them. And I also have some synopsis of episodes. Like for instance, um, Let's see. Oh, episode one. A personal storm cloud follows Dino. It is raining. It is snowing. It is hailing. But only on him. So that that's odd. And then this one's really good. All my Martys. When Marty takes a nap on the copy machine, numerous duplicate Martys are set loose in the mansion. It's <laughs> These are all like, they're so exhausted by 1986. It's out of control. They get sucked into a TV in one, if you can imagine that. All except for one. Oh, in another one, um, who is it? Jared gets his mind switched with his dog. So, you know, so, so he's a dog for an episode and the band has to figure out how to how to get that done. It's called a Freaky Friday switch. That's uh, a classic trope. So the band's self-titled album was received fairly poorly. As with the original Monkees, the intention was to use the show to sell albums and promote their songs such as What I Want... And one of the boys. I'm, I'm just one of the boys. You got to want to be something.
But my personal favorite, and there's music videos for all of these. They really put in a lot of work for this thing just for it to go up and smoke. But this song, folks, is called Boy Inside the Man. Yeah, Wolf in, indeed. The boy inside, I don't even need to harp on um, that title much more than just reading it twice because it is <laughs> pretty gross. But uh, yeah, and it, it's just bad shit. It doesn't stand out at all. The, a lot of these songs are written by other other people to be performed by these guys, which they did perform it and record it, but it's just not good stuff. And it, it's definitely not, at the, like the kind of music that they're making wasn't, cutting edge for the time whereas the original monkeys their album sounded like this new phase of mm -hmm. rock and roll they kind of followed the british invasion kind of like format which was this new thing the music that the new monkeys were making had been at, like done for five six years already that yeah the late 80s mid to late 80s was really a low point for rock and roll music yeah, it's completely cocaine on the mixing board. Make everything sound as clean and as tight as possible. No roughness, no character. Let's like uniform this shit. We're making this to be made into a music video for people to buy this record for this one song that they're getting the single for. It's it's really kind of drab, uh, as you heard. So originally slated for 22 episodes, the show was pulled from the air after only 13 episodes aired, and the album did not have a single song reach the Billboard charts. To add insult to injury, the original Monkees filed a lawsuit against the producers, creators, and the group, the New Monkees, over the use of the name, but the case was eventually settled out of court. They probably just said, look, you don't really have anything to worry about. No one's going to remember the mm -hmm. New Monkees. Your legacy is virtually untouched by this. Uh, they definitely didn't steal any record sales from you because no one fucking bought this shit. <laughs> and they probably just, like, dropped it. Or there was they used the remaining budget to pay off the original Monkees and then just, you know, buy some nails to close the coffin on the New Monkees. Which, by the way, they had their own like symbol that they were using for marketing. So when you watch the, the show, like every intro and outro after a commercial break or going into one is this symbol, which it just looks like it would be the sign on like a smoothie place in the 1980s. But there's also kind of like a weird hate group thing going on with it. It has like the Aryan nation like cross in there. And I don't know what kind of weird fucked up Illuminati shit's going on with the new monkeys, but thank God they're not around anymore. So the new monkeys, and 
now, uh, basically, is what, is what we're going to get into. Because, just like Adam said, you know, the original Monkees, they continued on and they would do these anniversary gigs and perform and even tour a little bit. The new Monkees are no different. So the new Monkees now, or the now Monkees. Though the group did not reach the level of success their predecessors did, the legend of the new Monkees lived on through the internet, and in 2007, they gathered for a meet-and-greet in Los Angeles to celebrate their 20th anniversary. Uh, apparently, there was a lot of people there. Not like a real Monkees thing, but there was enough people there, which is so surprising. If I had known, I would have gone. Well, me too. Ah, fuck. Yeah, you're right. God damn it. They later performed a reunion show in 2017 with all the original members, and eventually they played a sold-out show in 2019 at Hollywood's Pig and Whistle alongside Mickey Dolenz. Which is like a a 60-cap room. Yeah, I was about to say, say selling out, out, I've sold out places bigger than that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, it's and that's not anything to brag about yeah the pig and whistle and they're actually in some hot water now for their uh goth night that they threw oh, yeah. for, for several mm-hmm. years yeah uh cloak and dagger check that news story uh out folks but yeah it's a very short you know small 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 place on a very touristy part of hollywood boulevard but mickey dolan's was there alongside with them uh so so that's the whole thing and it's funny too because a lot of the info and videos that i saw of the new monkeys like what what they were doing now it was through like a podcast about pop culture shit. I think it was called pizza party or something like that. But, uh, that it was like very early on in, you know, podcasting days, like 2007, no one was really doing, you know, talking about podcasts, but someone did. And they, they got the new monkeys, uh, a little reunion show. So that's pretty much it. Very short lived, much like this episode, you know, what does it all mean? I mean, while the story of the new monkeys might be small or virtually unknown, the fact of the matter is they existed several people with a lot of money put in for this creative project and they greenlit this and they believed in it. I think the lesson here is to let sleeping dogs lie. Not everything needs to re- reboot or to be made over each generation deserves their own monkeys but not literally yeah i would say that and you know the jonas brothers kind of a similar thing absolutely hannah montana yeah so you know i mean but again that goes back to the original monkeys not the new monkeys yeah um well the original monkeys had staying power and they're again they're considered part of the lexicon you know well how many bands are there where it's four guys and it has to be those four guys the Doors, the Beatles, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Kiss, <laughs> the Monkees. Like, they're one of those groups. So you can't just – that doesn't just happen out of thin air. That's magic. That's the magic of the unpredictability of, of music, which is why we all love it. I will say my favorite factoid about the Monkees, though, which yes. ties into kind of the Hollywood Boulevard. So in front of the Vogue Theater, which is where Head originally premiered in 68 or whenever that came out, is the star for the Monkees, which they got for – one of the reunions, whatever. Right. There's, there's five categories of stars on the Walk of Fame. Music, TV, movies, radio, and live performance. You, you can get them in multiple categories. The yes. Monkey Star is for television and not music. And I think is that <laughs> the ultimate slap in the face slash affirmation that you can't have one without the other and really cements the monkeys as being a unique group unlike any other group that has come before or since in the same kind of way you know the monkeys it it reminds me of Millie Vanilli in a way except they you know where it's like they were put together it was a it was someone else's product using real people you know obviously it's different because the the monkeys were you know singing their own songs and performing them live and stuff like that but the idea of like like, no, 
Like, like a bunch of guys sitting around a desk coming up with the idea for the next big band and then making it happen is so kind of like devious and like shrouded and like corporate mystery and kind of like the idea of just like fat cats with cigars, like, you know, formulating the next big thing for young people to sucker young people in with it. That, that's kind of what, what, what I get from it, but that's it for the new monkeys folks. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at culture dumps. And if you have a suggestion for something along these lines, send it on over to culture dumps at gmail.com. Adam, why don't you go ahead and plug your uh, website really quick and whatever else you got going on. Sure. Uh, my tour company, if you're in LA, cool LA tours, my Instagram at Adam Papagan, um, the consonants you think there would be. And then all A's It's the only vowel in my name. Uh, and then uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be running for governor in the 2021 recall election <laughs> yeah. in California. So I might be back talking about so, that. Yeah, vote for Papagan. You heard it here first. On, on Yeah, he announced his campaign first here on Culture Dumps. Uh, exploratory committee. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And uh, for exclusive content, you know, you can always sign up for Culture Dumps at, you know, at the patreon.com slash culture dumps. I'm getting those mixed up from saying it so many times. But we got lots of good stuff up there. I'll be posting tons of new monkeys episodes and their audition tape and all that. So patreon.com slash culture dumps. Remember, folks, if you ate it up, we dump it out. Our next letter is from Washington, D.C. Hey, check it out. It's from First Lady Nancy Reagan. All right. Dear new monkeys, I'm a big fan of the show and I never miss an episode. I particularly adore Dino's cooking show. I fed his garden snail pate to the president, and he thought it was the best thing he'd ever tasted. Come on, Nancy, get to the point. The only complaint my husband and I have is that there's not enough science coverage. Ronnie especially loves science because he can use it to do good things, or bad things, and he enjoys having to make that choice. (laughs) 